This is Rumble with Michael Moore. I'm Michael Moore, and this is part four of our uh, four days in a row Super Tuesday Rumble podcast preview. And uh, you are listening to this on Super Tuesday, hopefully. Um, There are 14 states having uh, primaries and caucuses today, I think mostly primaries, and uh, then two other Uh, primaries taking place with Democrats abroad. That's American citizens who live abroad in other countries and work there, live there, and uh, but still want to vote, and the Democrats let them vote. So uh, they get to do that today. And American Samoa, a territory of ours where people do not get to vote in the presidential election, but they do get to vote in the primaries, picking the presidential candidates because, you know, because we're nice like that. We're going to have our um, our five our five millionth listener. Uh, we're going to do that uh, in the next couple of days because this, so many things happened yesterday on a Monday uh, politically that uh, we um, uh, we've got too much to cover. And I want to do this in a very short span right now so that you can listen to this and, and get on to work or school or whatever you're doing. Okay, it's been a, a crazy uh, forty eight hours uh, uh, since the. More than 48 hours now since the um, uh, South Carolina primary, the all-important South Carolina primary on Saturday, where and this is this has been so interesting to just kind of listen to people, whether it's whether it's the people blabbing on TV or whether it's just you know people I run into in the hallway uh, in, in the apartment building here, or down on the street, um, um, or emails I'm getting from old friends and uh, uh, family. Everybody is really worried about today. What's going on? What has been happening? And I've tried to like kind of uh, calm everybody down and and um, first by explaining that South Carolina, a beautiful state, um, is not uh, representative again of the United States of America, uh, just as Iowa is not, just as uh, uh, New Hampshire is not, and, uh, and in some ways more so, a little more representative, um, uh, Nevada. Um, you know, I have like my own theory about like what, what if it's a state that if it's a state that has a professional sports team, whether it's in hockey, basketball, baseball or football, that means that there's enough people there to go to the game. They certainly can't afford the tickets to the game. That, of course, is left for people who live in the upper middle class and above uh, to to, you know, pay a hundred, two hundred dollars, uh, whatever, for a ticket to go to a professional sports game but they're but in nevada they they do have a hockey team now the golden knights and uh and one of the reasons for that is because las vegas is a major american city and when you have a major american city and by the way most people live in the urban areas of this country not in the rural areas um you have a mix of people you have a mix of americans uh, you have all ages you have all colors you have all faiths you have all cultural backgrounds um and uh that's not South Carolina. South Carolina will have absolutely nothing to do with who wins in November. Um, it's a, it's, I, I don't want it's, to, it's not fair to say it's an irrelevant state because everybody in South Carolina counts. They're important. They're American citizens. Um, South Carolina has given, you know, so many good things from its people to this country, like, uh, um, like, um, Stephen Colbert, right? You know, they gave us Stephen Colbert. He's born and raised there. And um, um, Jesse Jackson was born and raised there. That, that's South Carolina. And they also gave us the Civil War and, uh, and a whole bunch of uh, bad senators for the years um, after that and up through and including the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and with one or two exceptions of Fritz Hollings and a couple of others, basically a bunch of racist um, segregationist, awful, awful. Um, so they voted, and uh, and what's great about the Democratic primary in South Carolina, of course, is that uh, that African Americans who live there make up the majority of the voters in the, on the Democratic side, and so their voice was heard and was heard loud and clear that they preferred uh, Joe Biden, and um, and so now Joe has. As I said yesterday, won his first state. He's ran for he's run for president three times now. He's been wanting to be president for thirty two years since uh, nineteen eighty eight. 
he's run and uh, finally won his first state on, on Saturday. And because of winning this this one state that uh, does, is not representative of the rest of the country, and, and I say that, again, not putting down anybody in South Carolina, I'm just saying that, that even with the incredible African-American voter turnout in South Carolina, um, uh, again, we have not heard really hardly a peep from the majority of African-Americans who live in this country. We have heard from a significant number of Latino voters in Nevada, but I can tell you from having campaigned across um, Iowa and New Hampshire, and God bless them too, but uh, you just don't run into uh, a lot of uh, a lot of black people. And that's just, that's just a fact. Um, there are many African-Americans who live in rural states, especially in the Deep South. Outside the Deep South, you know, not so much. Uh, you know that. You know the state you live in. And ask yourself, when you're in the rural parts of that state, um, how many African-Americans you run in. And because of, uh, sadly, racist policies uh, in the North and segregationist policies that are never really law, but the way that the culture existed, it made sure that uh, black people did not live in the suburbs or other areas, uh, in part because black Americans occupy the lowest rung of the economic ladder in this country. And so they're never able to have the amount of money you would need if you wanted to live in the suburbs. And to this day, that hasn't changed. Even though, yes, many African-Americans have um, been able to get out, break out, do well, do better, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm not saying there hasn't been any progress, but the fact remains that, geez, now I'm going to say the statistic, and I can't remember it exactly, but it's just such a shocking statistic in terms of the average white um, family, average white household, um, has a wealth, um, meaning mostly you know the equity they have in their home, what they whatever they might have in some savings, uh, uh, their cars, etc. You know you've got tens of thousands of dollars. The average white household, the average black household. I mean, it's it's a it's a shocking number, and um, I can't believe I live in a country like this. That where this that simply because of the really the color of your skin guarantees that this is how much you're allowed to have. History will not be kind to us, my friends. How we've let this go, why we let it go on for so so long. So Joe Biden, um, a man I have met on, um, on a couple of occasions, very nice to me, very kind, very supportive, very um, big fan, et cetera, of me and what I've done and all that. Very nice guy. Um, he, uh, it's. I think it's it's because I was noticing, I was thinking today. All of a sudden, there's he's now there's Joe Mentum. <laughs> after every primary or after every debate. Somebody else is ahead. Um, there was Clobentum or Clobamentum for Amy Klobuchar uh, at one point. Uh, there was, if you remember this, before Bloomberg opened his mouth in the first debate, up until that moment, how much the establishment of the Democratic Party and corporate America was hoping he'd be the candidate. And they really got a lot of people thinking, this is going to do it. This will bring Bernie down because this is what this is all about. Make no mistake, and this is what I want to talk to you about very quickly here on this last uh, thing that you might be listening to before if you're voting today. Um, this is all about stopping Bernie. This is not about stopping Trump. In fact, it's the opposite of stopping Trump today. Nobody's talking about stopping Trump or beating Trump or crushing Trump or removing him from the White House. It's all about stopping Bernie because Bernie is truly, when they, they keep using this term, the existential threat, Bernie is the uh, he is the existential threat to those who control the money, to the bosses of this country, the owners, as they like to think of themselves. He is their worst nightmare. Trump, not so much. Got a big got a big tax cut from Trump, so they. They like him. Obviously, the Republicans, rich people like him, but you know, well-off Democrats like him too. In some, in that one way, 
It's a very important way though. Um, and they would, they would, I mean, they would rather risk having Trump than, than ending up with Bernie Sanders in the White House. They would. I mean, they've said, I'm not just saying that they've said so. First of all, Joe, Joe Biden said it a month and a half ago. He, he said that, uh, when he was asked, will you support Bernie if he's the nominee of the party? He says, no, I, don't, I can't say that right now. I don't know. I don't know. Really couldn't say that, that he would support the nominee of the democratic party. Right there, that should have been a disqualifier for Joe Biden. Because the only way we defeat Trump is if we all come together in November. And that means me, no matter how begrudging I would have to be with certain particular candidates, most of them have dropped out. But, um, you know, <laughs> we don't defeat Trump unless we agree on all on that. And so if you are just starting out of the gate saying that you don't know if it was Bernie, well, I don't know if I could do that. Really? Well, then I don't know if I will ever vote for you, if that's how you feel. Biden said it. Remember that? Then he tried to walk it back, you know, a couple of days later. Uh, Hillary said it. People don't like him. That's what she said about him. People don't like him. Don't like Bernie. And uh, she didn't know whether she could endorse him. If the people, the voters of the United States the, and the Democratic side made him the candidate, so Biden said it, uh, she said it, others said it, have said it, continue to say it, continue to threaten. What does Bernie say? What does Bernie say? What has Bernie said consistently every single time he's been asked and has never deviated that he's voting for, endorsing and supporting the Democratic nominee on the November ballot? End of story. He has not equivocated. There are no caveats to that. The only thing I've ever, I've heard him saying it wasn't him. It was Jeff Weaver, his, his, um, his top campaign guy, uh, was asked the other last week: uh, Would if Bernie was a nominee, would he take would he take Bloomberg's money? <laughs> and, and Jeff said, No, no. You, you you don't start a campaign saying that I'm not taking billionaires' money. I'm not taking PAC money, and then just change your mind once you've got the nomination. I'm sure he would accept Mike Bloomberg's uh, endorsement, obviously, yes, and his vote. And all billionaires will be welcome, of course, happily to vote for Bernie, should they so choose. But but that's it. No, but Bernie has made this very clear. Never, never step back from it. Did the same thing in 16, endorsed Hillary, supported Hillary, showed up at the convention, uh, to to announce the Vermont delegations, uh, delegates going to Hillary. And at that announcement, that put her over the top in the count that was going on that night. Did he look happy? No. No, he'd been treated pretty poorly. They'd done a number of things to really try to make sure that he would not get the nomination. We've covered that. I'm not going to get back into that again. But uh, yet he went out there did 42 rallies for Hillary during the general election. Um, no, but what we have now, it's, <laughs> so Joe wins one state, well, he wins one state in 32 years, and everybody's excited about Joe Biden. And then, and then, as we discussed last night, we saw it coming yesterday, Pete Buttigieg drops out and then endorses Biden, as I you know, predicted that he would. And then Amy Klobuchar, dropped out uh, late uh, uh, yesterday, Monday afternoon, and endorsed uh, Biden. He, she showed up on the stage with him. Uh, Pete showed up. This is weird. He showed up too at that. I don't, I don't know if to call it a rally because uh, they, the, they, they made a mistake and showed a wide shot. There wasn't many people there in Dallas uh, for Biden, but maybe I'm just spoiled looking at the uh, Bernie rallies or frightened by looking at the Trump rallies. That wasn't really a rally with Joe Habit. That's because he doesn't have any grassroots support. The way they want to win this, the way the, the Biden plan, and I've seen this because, again, I remember I've been in these primary states campaigning for Bernie. You don't see the Biden people. You don't see the Biden volunteers. They're nowhere. I'm serious. You I mean, the Warren people are everywhere. Warren, the Warren, Elizabeth Warren has an incredible ground game in all the states I've been in. Um, offices, volunteers, paid staff, um, everything. The yard signs, the bumper stickers, the enthusiasm amongst the Warren supporters is huge. Um, so you, you, that's all, that's all been very visible, visible to me personally. 
but 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 Joe, I'm telling you, friends, I'm, I'm I mean I've been out there. I'm thinking, where's the campaign? Where, I mean, you know, of course, you know, Bernie has Bernie has you know, more donors than any other Democratic candidate. He's raised more money. The average donation is $18.50. Uh, he's got more volunteers. He's got most of everything, basically. In, in California today, so the election, California is one of the states today on Super Tuesday. California, um, I know this because uh, I'm, you know, part of trying to help Bernie. Um, had 25,000 people too at these last rallies, these the ones here and um, the one in LA and, and then tonight or last night in um, St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, huge, huge rallies, ones that rival or are larger than Trump's. And uh, <clears throat> Bernie's got 23 field offices throughout the state of California, 23 towns, 23 cities that have an actual up and running field office with tons of volunteers a lot of paid staff, a, 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 a mission every day to knock on so many doors, to meet people, to talk to people. And um, 23 in the state of California. I wanted to, I wanted to find out um, how many field offices uh, that Joe Biden had in California uh, for today's uh, uh, election. And I found out the number, ready? Brace yourself. One, Joe Biden has one campaign um, field office in the entire state of California. The reason why he has uh, come in third, fourth, fifth in these early, uh, the, the first, you know, three uh, primaries and caucuses, the, the reason why um, he really has been receiving little or no campaign contributions until after his win on Saturday. The reason why he does not have thousands upon thousands of volunteers like uh, Bernie and Elizabeth have. Uh, the, the reason for this is because there is no grassroots support for Joe Biden. That's just a fact. And Anytime when you have somebody thinking that a movement or a victory is going to happen from the top down, it just doesn't work. It works when there's a groundswell on the ground, keyword ground, and, and people rise up and say, I want to be involved. I want to give them my time. I want to send in my $18. Um, that is, that is... Um, what's really, that's what makes it work. That's why Bernie's ahead. Even, even as you're listening to this today, before the polls close today, Bernie is still number one in delegates. Even after that incredible win that Joe Biden got in South Carolina, Bernie still has the most delegates. Bernie still has the most campaign contributions. Bernie still has the most donors. Bernie is still number one in all the national polls. They, they even they they did a poll actually just since the South Carolina on Saturday until um, I think sometime yesterday or last night Monday um, they did a poll in California just to see had had there been any impact and yes Joe picked up uh, some points in the polls and yet the poll still shows for today's election in California. Uh, Bernie at number one with 35% of the vote and Joe at number two with 18%. I mean, um, you know, that's, um, <laughs> that wasn't reported yesterday. <laughs> you don't, they're not talking about that. In every national poll that's been taken this past week, um, Bernie is uh, uh, number one in all of these polls. And in 75 of the polls that have been taken uh, in since whenever they started taking them back in the fall as to when they do the head to heads, Bernie versus Trump, Biden versus Trump, Klobuchar versus Trump. Well, first of all, the good news is, is that there were all there's always been four or five Democrats that beat Trump in these head to head polls. Elizabeth beats Trump in Texas in a head to head Warren versus Trump 
in Texas in the general election. So it's possible. I'm not so worried. I know a lot of you are very, very worried. And I should probably be the most worried because, you know, I'm, I was very worried four years ago and I tried to warn everybody about what was going to happen. So I'm not saying that, that Trump isn't going to win this time around. We have to act every day as if he is. If you, if you pull back from that position, if you say, oh yeah, no, no, we got this in the bag. I don't think anybody feels that way. I think we know what we're up against here. But, um, but there is no, there's no groundswell here. And yet we, people get excited after each of these, you know, people got really excited for Mayor Pete um, after Iowa. And that was good. And it was, he did great, better than expected. Um, we still live in a very homophobic country. The fact that he did that well in the Midwest, incredible moment in our American history. Don't deny that by anybody. Um, that was that was great, and then it was all you know what he it looks like he, he might win, he might go all the way, he might win. But you know if you just step back from it, just step back from it a few feet and look at what's really going on, you could see that he was going to do well in a few states. He's never going to win the nomination. And Joe Biden, who, when they were polling people last fall, <clears throat> Biden was, you know, number one, I think, in just about every poll until they heard him speak, until the debate started, or until they saw him. Well, they didn't see much of him because his campaign knew not to have Joe out there talking to too many people. So it was very rare. And because whenever it happened, there was some flub, there was some flaw, there was something that said that was a little crazier, goofier. Um, you know, there was, there was just this behavior some of it people were worried about. You know what I'm talking about. I don't want to, I, don't, I, don't, I hate to even go there, but you know what? I, I kind of want to go there because I've had to listen to everybody talk about Bernie's heart attack, Bernie's health. Is he healthy enough to be? He's too old to be president, et cetera, et cetera. And then even at the debates, he's been asked more than once about his heart attack. They keep bringing up his heart attack. How come none of the moderators at the debates have said, um, Vice President Biden, are you okay? I haven't heard that question, have you? And yet you've thought it. Everybody's thought it. We think it in part out of caring and empathy and concern. You know, he'll he'll say things and you'll go, okay, um, is he all right? It... it you know, you, and you want to think the best for people, especially our elderly. We respect them and love them. You know, I know people make jokes about them, you know, getting their driver's license or whatever, but man, wait till you get that age. I mean, I'm not there yet, obviously, but I'm like thinking, you know, I remember when your parents or your grandparents get that age, they start to worry that they're going to take the driver's license away from them. And they're going to, they're going to be quote shut-ins and all that. And you know, you want them to be able to drive and get around and have a life and, so it's so so. There's this uncomfortableness bringing this up, but nobody's uncomfortable asking Bernie. But nobody will ask after they hear Joe Biden say that um, he's really really proud and happy to be running uh, for United States Senate. And then there's like this silence, and everybody's like, oh, "Somebody should tell him." Nobody knows what to say. He's on, he was on this Sunday with Chris Wallace on Fox being interviewed by Chris. He calls him, he calls him Chuck. Sometimes like when he miss, when he says somebody's name and it's not their name to them, they do, sometimes they do, they do what we all do with, because everybody's listening to this has had a grandparent or a great grandparent. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. You do not want to remind them that that they might be, you know, just just because of what age does to all of us, just slipping a little bit. And so nobody says anything to him. He just just calls somebody named Chris Chuck, and that's okay. Sometimes they'll they'll correct him. I think that's the right thing to do. It's not a bad thing to 
you know, I think he appreciates, I think, I think older, elderly people do appreciate. They don't want you just sitting there thinking, oh, <laughs> right? No, just, just say it. No, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not Chuck. I'm Chris. Chuck, Chuck's, Chuck's actually doing Meet the Press on another network. If you can just switch the, switch the channel there. Uh, I'm Chris Wallace. You might have seen me. I've been on TV for 40 friggin' years. No, no, no discussion of this. So anyway, so, so Pete shows up in Dallas to endorse uh, Joe. Amy shows up in Dallas to endorse Joe. Beto comes over from El Paso to endorse Joe. And suddenly there's Joe Mentum and, and then all the pundits start going, yep, this is it. That's it. Now we're all, we're good. We're good now. We're good. We're good. We've, we, uh, we've stopped the socialist. We got Joe without thinking for a second that this is not about anything other than, sorry to say it, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. I will not participate in a campaign as I did four years ago with Hillary where they refuse to acknowledge how the votes are going to be counted. Yes, of course, I hate the Electoral College. I want it gone. It should be one vote, one person, that's it. That's how you count the votes. The winner is the person who gets the most votes. There was no plan amongst the Hillary staff to win the Electoral College. In fact, in the week or two there before the election, four years ago, they didn't, ha they didn't have the time or the money or the wherewithal or whatever to visit Wisconsin or to spend much time, if any time, in Michigan. You know what they did? They put ads on TV in Texas because they started this thing about, yeah, maybe we could flip Texas. There was another red state too. They, they paid for TV ads, but they wouldn't go to Wisconsin. Wow. So this time around, I'm just gonna pound away at this. It's the Electoral College. Even I, when I say to you that Bernie's number one in all these nationwide polls, and Bernie has beat Trump in 70 of the 75 polls that have been taken since uh, this past fall, as to who would who mo would best beat Trump, and it's been Bernie in these polls. But you know what? I'm not. I'm going to speak to you honestly here. It's about Michigan, Wisconsin. In Pennsylvania, 77,770 votes. That's what it was. That's what Hillary lost by. 77,770 votes in those three states. Eleven, About 11,000 of them from Michigan. Wisconsin was 20-some thousand. And the rest were in Pennsylvania. And when you look at these polls that have been taken now recently who beats who beats Trump in Michigan the most Bernie Sanders who beats him in Pennsylvania Bernie Sanders who beats him in Wisconsin in fact the poll I saw last week there's only one of these Democratic candidates that beats Trump in Wisconsin and the man's name is Bernie Sanders where's the burn mentum which, shouldn't that all, is that's all we really should be on some level caring about, right? We are here to dispose of Donald J. Trump. But we are, boy, we are so easily distracted. Like a, like a baby that you're holding your car keys up in, in front of the crib or the, the, the little laser light you're messing with your cat. <laughs> We're just, what, what, what? What's the dog in, in the movie up? Squirrel. That's what we are. So Joe finally wins a state. Squirrel. Joe. <laughs> People, calm down. Calm the fuck down. All right. Let's be smart about this. The people of Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania are not going to vote for the man who voted for and was be behind in a very excited way, NAFTA, the trade bill back during the Clinton years that eliminated thousands upon thousands of jobs in those three states. It's one of the reasons Hillary did not win. 
Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. People in these states, I'm one of them, do not have a short memory about how they lost a good paying union job thanks to the genius of NAFTA. And Joe Biden isn't going to win these three states. These states also sent a lot of their young people, men and women, in their National Guards to Iraq. Remember the National Guard was supposed to be there. In, it's, it's a state thing. It's your state National Guard. It's to protect you in your state if there's ever a reason to do that. If your life is threatened, there's the Michigan National Guard. You know, if there's a flood, there's the Pennsylvania National Guard. That's what the National Guard does. Instead, they were all sent uh, to Iraq and Afghanistan by the Bush administration. And not just for one tour, and not for two tours, and not for three tours. Five, seven, 10, 15 tours. Yeah. That's not a sound effect. <laughs> this is, I'm recording this on, you know small room on top of a movie theater in New York City, but uh, that has been going on practically this entire podcast, and now I'm thinking um, perhaps it's not, perhaps it's not, it's not the, perhaps it's not the police. <laughs> Somebody is sending us a signal. Boom, 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 ba -ba -ba bum, 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 super Tuesday warning. Danger, America. Boom, boom, boom. Ba, 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 boom, boom, boom. <laughs> no, I'm not high. <clears throat> Friends, if you're a Bernie supporter, do not despair. Do what you were going to do today. If you were going to do it, if you're in those states, vote. Take 10 people with you. Take five people with you. If you know people who live in, in the Super Tuesday states, please send them a text today. Remind them to vote. If you're not for Bernie, if you're for Elizabeth or Bloomberg, Bloomberg, there's another one. I don't know who is for Bloom. Again, there's no, you understand, there's no grassroots ever out there, out there at all for Bloomberg. You know that, right? Nobody woke up this morning and said, I can't wait to get to the polls and vote for Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> no, that didn't happen today. That doesn't mean there aren't people are going to vote for him. There are people, some of you might vote for him. I don't know. But um, he's bought his way into this. Oh, my God. The the mail I've gotten from people um, in these states, I mean, the money he has spent, the people he's hired. My sister teaches um, uh, college in uh, California. And a couple, three weeks ago, she got... Uh, a letter from the Bloomberg campaign identifying her as a um, adjunct professor in one of the state schools in uh, California. Okay, so this is this is the actual email that my sister got from the Bloomberg campaign. Now, how they got her name and her email, um, I don't know. Is that public information? I guess maybe it is if it's a state school. I don't know. But out of the blue, um, my sister, who um, um, both of my sisters actually have been uh, supporting Bernie, and they're both Californians, so I assume they're voting today. If they happen to be listening, don't forget to vote. Um, <laughs> anyways, here it is. This is this is from oh, um, uh, someone from the Bloomberg campaign. Um, her name is uh, Lauren Greenwood. And it says, hi, Professor Moore. My name is Lauren Greenwood, and I'm currently a graduate student working on the Michael Bloomberg presidential campaign. We're trying to implement a rapid get out the vote effort, and we would love to connect with your students as soon as possible for a short term job opportunity with the campaign. We're currently hiring for canvas positions that would start immediately and will pay $27 an hour. Wow. Um, okay. And then there's a link for the uh, 
anybody interested in her, of her students, they can link here as an added bonus. If these students are interested in, in politics or political science or policy or whatever, um, the lead organizer, Freddie uh, Quintana, and I would love to answer any questions during breaks or shifts while doing, or, or after the shift, I mean, after going canvassing, canvassing, we'd love to help connect these students um, and answer their questions. Freddie has significant uh, policy experience working on a wide range of issues from water rights or bail reform, and I have worked closely with the admissions committee at the UC Berkeley Haas School of Business during my time in business school. Oh, just what every undergrad wants to read. Yes, you can have a personal connection with someone who's worked closely with the admissions committee at Berkeley. Wow. And then finally, this last paragraph. If you can share your students' emails, get that? This is asking a professor. If you can share your students' emails, we'd be happy to pass along this message. Or if you don't mind forwarding this out to the students, we would really appreciate it. Let us know if you need any additional information. All the best. Lauren and Freddie. And that says Mike. Mike Bloomberg 2020. Mike will get it done. Wow. That's how much money he has. That, and that's how deep they try to reach. Asking professors to give their students emails to the campaign so they can offer them not seven twenty-five an hour or not the California minimum wage of 11 something an hour, $27 an hour. Yeah. You understand what we're up against. And I don't mean just Bernie or the Bernie campaign. I mean us as American citizens. If we are ever going to control our government, you know, of the one that says of, by, and for the people, um, we are going to have to change things. And we don't have, we don't really have the time, folks. The climate alone, things like the, I mean, the coronavirus, we already know. Well, you know, this this level of fear that we, we're already we're already afraid of Trump. We're already afraid of another four years of Trump. And, um, you know, we're afraid that one of these old timey Democrats that are from the old days, the old school Democrats, where you get things half done, you get you have half measures, you um, sing Kumbaya with uh, these uh, right wing Republicans. Um and now we're now we're afraid of a virus that what do we have in the country? 500 test kits. What was the number? 500, 550, 550. <laughs> That's what we started. The, the Chinese, they tested a million people in the first like week or two of this when they finally had to admit that it was going on because they lied to their own people to begin with. Um, but we don't we, this is. <clears throat> we're so afraid of this thing spreading and, and all we are continually told to do is to wash our hands and uh, don't touch people and um, stay home as much as possible. And, you know, you, you can you know what's around the corner. They're already doing it in these other countries. They've shut down school for the next couple of months. Uh, they've shut down um, their major league baseball in Japan. They're, the teams are playing each other to empty stadiums, 50,000 seat stadiums. Uh, that are empty while well, they go along and they, they play the actual game. Um, well, let's hope this doesn't happen here, but hope is not a method. And uh, I'm telling you, well, I don't need to tell you. You already know it. We don't want to say it out loud. We already know the shit that is going to hit the fan. It's already started. We've got a doofus in the White House. Um, who only wants to look good. He's only going to look bad. And this, more than anything, um, um, could do him in. And this is not the way I want to take him out of the White House. No, no, no. We want Trump and his administration to succeed in fighting this virus and keeping us safe. 
Nobody should hope for anything else other than that. I know you're like, oh, that's good. That's another hope, hopey hope thing, Mike. Yeah, that's a hopey hope. What's our what's our alternative right now? This is why he has to go. And this is why we have to put somebody in who is going to stand up for the things we believe in and who's going to win these electoral college states, not win them. The person that's going to win it is not somebody that voted for NAFTA. The person that's going to win these electoral college states we need to win <clears throat> is not somebody who voted for the Iraq war. The person that's going to win these three states that suffered most during the crash of 08, the housing crash, with people that lost their homes. Not going to vote for the guy who voted for the bankruptcy bill and the credit card bill that favored the banks. That's Joe Biden in each of those cases. Don't think for a second that people in Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania don't know that. If you've convinced yourself that, um, you know, Biden is the one that's going to defeat Trump, let me just say that I I respect I respect um, how you feel. I respect it and mainly because I know how afraid you are. We're all afraid. <clears throat> if you think Elizabeth Warren is is the one, I respect that. I even respect it if you think Bloomberg is the one. Uh, you know I. Um, it's just that. What can I say? I don't know. What can I say to change your mind? Let me say this. I'll just go from my own experience on this. We're all afraid and we're making decisions now based on fear, whether it's the fear of the coronavirus, whether it's fear of all the things we're having to put up with with Trump and whether it's the fear of, am I, am I voting for the right person that's going to get rid of Trump? And is that person going to make life better here in the United States for all of us? But when you vote from fear, if that's how, that's the ultimate thing that's motivating, however you're coming down on this decision of which candidate, can I just remind you, if you've lived any bit of your life already, um, and this maybe this is why young people have the least fear. I mean, they have a lot of fear. They have a fear that they're never going to see the planet uh, live to a ripe old age of another um, 10 billion years. They, they fear they might see the end of the planet. That's a real fear. And they fear that they won't have what their parents had in terms of um, money, help. But um, so, but they don't, but, but they're, but, and we were that age once. There's a great sense of, of adventure in us when we're in our teens and 20s and 30s. Maybe not so much 30s by the time. And there's always, there's a certain age where you realize, oh, fuck. This is what life is. Okay, I'll suck it up. <sighs> I get up tomorrow morning. But uh, but before that point happens, you know they don't. They make their decisions based on on their own serious hope and the serious vision that they have for the future, their future. And that's why they're so being. You know, seventy percent of them between eighteen and twenty nine are for Bernie. Another, I don't know what it is, between 18 and 35. I think it's like 55% are for Bernie. 18 to 45, it's like 51, 52% are for Bernie. He's number one with people who are under the age of 45. But after 45, it really starts to take a dive, doesn't it? And uh, and it's. I think a lot of it is, if I can just speak to those of you who are in my age group over the age of 45, um, think of the times in your life when you've made a decision based on fear. How's it worked out for you? Not, not based on, on faith in yourself, a decision not based on, um, knowing what your talents are and what your skills are. A decision not based on, um, like a strong belief that this is the way it must be. How many times have we, all of us, made it a decision where we were afraid to leave a job that we knew we hated and we should get out of, but we didn't. We were afraid. 
we were afraid we could, wouldn't be able to pay the rent or the mortgage. We're afraid we wouldn't the monthly student loan debt bill won't be able to pay that. I won't have benefits. I won't have health insurance. All the reasons all of us have kept a job that we shouldn't have kept because we were afraid. And then we stayed in that job for way too many months or years longer. You could say the same thing about relationships. Afraid to leave a relationship that you know isn't right for you. And you just keep convincing yourself that it'll be right maybe someday. Maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, you chose this college and after a semester there, you knew it was wrong. You know, you're 18 years old. You really shouldn't be afraid. You can try another college. Well, I don't know. I, I may not get, I just got, I got the loan for this college and I got, I, got, I did get a grant and, uh, you know. We don't end up very happy when we keep making decision after decision out of uh, fear. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be afraid of things. There are things that you need to be very afraid of. But you've got to know when to separate that out and know, okay, you know, uh, yes, there's a reason why I'm a little afraid of, you know, fill in the blank. And then there's the other times where you're just afraid because Think of how many times maybe even you've changed your mind in the last two or three months about who to vote for. You know, um, it doesn't work. That's what I've learned. And what I, I don't know, at some point in my adult life, I just decided to start doing what my gut said, what I think is the right thing to do and having a little courage. And even though there's a voice saying, and I'm like, that's, uh, you know, You've never made a movie before. I mean, come on. You don't know how to do this. And then you just, you just say to yourself, yes, I do. <laughs> oh, really? You got the two voices in your head now going, oh, really? You know how to make a movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you didn't go to film school. Y yeah, but I, I, I've seen a lot of movies. What? That's not how you make a movie. You've seen a lot of movies? <laughs> this conversation actually took place. You're too old to be making your first movie. You're 35 years old. <laughs> There's nobody 35 or 40 at Sundance. You're not going there. Oh, man. The number we do to ourselves. The number we do on ourselves. It's sad. Hey, everybody. Have some courage here. You know who you feel best about. Who's going to make this country the best it can be. Okay, don't let the, hear the little voices coming. Yeah, but yeah, but we, we might. We, we need to win the Senate. We won't win the Senate with candidate X. That's not true. We're going to win the Senate the same way we're winning the White House, the same way we had a bartender running for the House of Representatives from the Bronx, who may end up being our first woman president in this decade. Don't say that. Don't say that it's not possible. It's, I know, I, know, I think it's, I don't know which candidate, it might be Bernie, it's been quoting Nelson Mandela, his quote, that everything is impossible until it happens. Right? Everything is impossible until it isn't. And we never would have advanced as a species, we never would have advanced as a country if we, if a whole bunch of people hadn't said, I don't care if it's impossible, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to will it to happen. As I've said on, you know, previous podcasts, how did the women, the suffragettes who were celebrating the 100th year of the vote for women, how did they ever in the 1840s think to themselves that they were going to convince the all male legislatures first in Congress and the Senate, and then in how many, today it's like 37, 38 states that you that you have to, to get an amendment to the Constitution passed. They thought they could, because there were no women in these bodies. These were all men. 
They're going to have to convince the gender who was opposed to them having the vote to begin with. And yet they did it. And you can cite other examples of this, both in history, but you can also cite examples in your personal life. You know when things did start to get better, when you were willing to take those risks, you were willing to have some courage, you were willing to stop listening to all the voices that, that say, you know, oh no, he can't, he can't, he can't win. Nobody likes him. <laughs> he had a heart attack. <laughs> oh man, I know. It's, but really, for me, it's not just about Bernie, man. It's just like, it don't. So Elizabeth Warren has only been getting single digits in these early, uh, this, you know, last this past Saturday and whatever. Don't give up on her. If you still think she's the one and that she's the, she's still in it, she hasn't quit. Get out there today and vote for her. But if, and. Try to convince me that Joe Biden on November 3rd, when the when the um, alarm goes off on the clock uh, to wake up that morning, that Joe Biden is going to inspire young people and all kinds of all kinds of people who live in all parts of this country to rush to the polls, to bring five people with them to vote. I think everybody ends up liking him. Uh, I think that's, I think that's very understandable. I think I began this podcast by saying I like him. I've, I've been with him a couple times. It's, you know, he's, he's a good guy. He's just voted the wrong way so many times on so many issues regarding race, the crime bill, um, NAFTA, the Iraq war, you know the list. I'm not going to go over it again. So um, I'll close with this. Um, I got a, a note, um, a text. Uh, from, well, I, got, I got a number of texts yesterday from various uh, friends um, wanting to know what's the deal, what's going to happen and I told them, well, you know, Bernie's still got the most delegates. He's still polling at number one in, in these nationwide polls, and he's polling number one in these polls in the states that uh, we need to win in the Electoral College. But I said, I just, I said, let me just remind you of something I not only have witnessed firsthand in these travels with Bernie in the country, but it's a fact. It's a fact-based thing that that uh, has been in the media as recent as just this past weekend. Um, the majority of Americans, 50, 50 percent, you know, a little over 50 percent of this country does not have $500 of cash in their pocket or in their bank account or anywhere. More than half the country doesn't have $500 to their name, actual available cash. In other words, if their car broke down, if a loved one passed away across the country, they couldn't go to the funeral couldn't fix the car tomorrow. Why is Bernie number one in all these polls? That's why. Because that's, that's who they're calling. They're calling real people, not pundit people, real people. And these real people are tired of seeing their prescription doubled, then tripled, then quadrupled. The powers that be have made life so difficult for people living from paycheck to paycheck that they're sick and tired of it. And they've turned people off. They don't understand why why these polls show that, especially amongst Democrats but and, and definitely with young people, when they ask if they have a positive view of democratic socialism or not, and the majority do, the majority do. And, and the reason they do is, is because anytime you associate um, your prescription being tripled or the fact that you don't have 500 bucks to your name. That's called capitalism. And that's why people have turned against it. Not because they, they're against, um, uh, you know, the mom and pop business that's trying to get by or anybody who's out there working their butt off for a living. No, no, that's not why. They're 
the the more <laughs> Bernie is berated, the more they try to use the socialist thing on him because uh, they don't want to say democratic socialist because the emphasis then goes to democratic. And then it's then when you understand it, it means that he's a modern day Franklin Delano Roosevelt. That that's what he really stands for, and that's what he believes in. But the more the more that they call the fact that you could see a doctor and not have to worry about going bankrupt, or they could, you could that your tuition for college would be free, you would no longer be in debt. You're a single mom trying to get by, and there's now suddenly free or available affordable daycare available to you. And the other side keeps calling it's socialism. Well, at some point, people start to go, well, damn, I guess if that's what you're calling it, um, that sounds pretty good to me. It's like, it's like they've, they've brought this on themselves. But here was the statistic from this weekend. I'll let you go. That really kind of blew my mind. And 32% of the population, so a third of working people, run out of money before they get their next paycheck. Think about that. So if you're paid every, let's say you're paid every two weeks, you get your paycheck and you get through that next week, fine. But by the end of that second weekend, and now you're in that second week and you're not getting paid till Friday, and you don't have the available cash to just get by. It could be something as simple as just having lunch money. It could be that you have a, a certain bill that's due, like if, you know, where it says, if not paid by blankety blank, you have to pay that by Wednesday, but you're not getting any cash till Friday. How many people's credit ratings have been ruined because you've sent it in a couple days late or a week late, right? The system is set up to, just screw you. And now enough people know that. And when you have screwed millions upon millions of Americans, they look for a different kind of candidate who's saying the things that they believe in and wants to create a country that they want to live in. And so the people who oppose that, who oppose the people taking over, um, are doing everything they can to try and stop one particular candidate this week, today. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. Don't be turned by all this nonsense. If you live in one of those states today, Super Tuesday, please vote. Please vote. And don't forget to wash your hands and bump elbows, not fists. And never forget that we have one job in 2020 that must be accomplished by November 3rd, and that is the removal of Donald J. Trump. Thanks everybody for listening to this, these uh, four days in a row of uh, Super Tuesday podcasts. Um, I'll be uh, back at you here in a couple of days uh, with more of our regular rumble. Um, um, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for your comments. They're all much appreciated. Um, thanks for those of you not voting for Bernie, but still listen. I, I love you the most. Um, I know how hard this must be to, it's like Bernie, 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 Marsha, Marsha, Bernie, Bernie. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm only doing it because I feel strongly about this. And I, I feel like last time I, four years ago when I, said that you know I can living in Michigan I can tell you Trump's gonna win and I couldn't get anybody to listen to me and I just I've thought about it for four years about well maybe you didn't say it enough or maybe you didn't say it the right way or maybe you need to learn to communicate better with people because uh, if people had really listened to you we wouldn't be in the shape we're in right now Hillary lost Michigan by two votes per precinct I've said it before I'll say it again Hillary lost Michigan by two votes per precinct yeah, I didn't do enough. I didn't say it enough. So that's why I'm, I probably sound like a broken record at this point sometimes about Bernie Sanders. But I'm doing it because I love this country. I love this country. And I love the fact that we're part of this larger planet. And I care about this planet. And I care about you. 
and I respect you if you disagree with me. That's perfectly okay. I'm I'm mostly I'll mostly be happy if you just get out and vote and 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 participate in some campaign or do something uh, to try and turn this around to get rid of Trump and to get rid of that which gave us Trump. Two jobs: get rid of Trump, get rid of that which gave us Trump. We can do this, folks. Um, thanks for listening. It's Super Tuesday. Woohoo! Super duper Tuesday. This is Michael Moore, and this is Rumble.